Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Joe Dolce, and he is author of Brave New Weed, The Adventures into the Uncharted World of Cannabis, and is also host of the podcast, The Brave New Weed Podcast. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about his uh, adventures in cannabis. We're going to talk about the work that he's been doing. We're going to talk a little bit about medical side. He's written some interesting stuff recently and has some interesting feedback. Fascinating part of the cannabis industry. I think for those people that have been part of this podcast for a while, know the cannabis industry is we have a unique kind of adult use slash medical use kind of bifurcated industry here, depending on the state, depending on where you are in the world. But it um, should be an interesting conversation. I love people who are in the cannabis space, who have talking to lots of people in the cannabis space. Always interesting to see kind of the patterns and the trends that are out there. With that, Joe, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. It's good to be the guest, not the host. Yeah, I know. it's always fun to be on the other side. Let's get the backstory. Like, how did you get into cannabis? What were you doing? Like, tell us about the book. Fill us in. All right. So I'm going to tell you the story. Yeah. So it was several years ago. And I was sort of at a career careening point, okay? I was out of magazines. I've been a magazine editor my whole life and a journalist. And I was just sort of done editing magazines. And I was 
having lunch with my agent and my lawyer one day, and he said, what are you doing, Joe? And I said, well, let me tell you the story, Bob. A couple of months ago, I went up to Maine to visit my mother, who was very old, who was living with my sister. And one morning, my brother-in-law knocks on the door, and he says, hey, I got this new hobby. You want to see what it is? <laughs> and I say, yeah, sure. And he brings me downstairs under the house through uh, all these locked doors and yeah, chambers. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you can hear the, the white noise machines. And he, he brings me inside this chamber and has these two aluminum clothing bags and unzips them and says, hey, I want you to meet the girls. And in there... <laughs> He's got 16 budding cannabis plants. This is a variety called silver, excuse me, super lemon haze, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I smoked a lot of cannabis when I was a younger guy in college, all the way through, and sometime around my late 30s, early 40s, I stopped and hadn't really indulged very often, occasionally, but not so much. It wasn't making me feel good anymore. Anyway, he said, hey, try this variety, and he rolled a blunt, and we smoked, and I loved it. It was wow. My brain was ticking. There was all sorts of creative juices flowing through me. And wow, okay, so I take some home. So I'm having lunch with Bob, my agent, several weeks later. And he says, what are you doing? And I tell him I'm not doing very much. <laughs> I'm smoking Back a lot. All I'm doing is smoking weed. And he, I swear to God, he throws his napkin on the table. He's like 76 years old. Yeah. Very august big entertainment lawyer. And he says, God damn it, Joe, I love weed. And I said, Bob, I've never known this. And he said, I won't even travel to a hotel anywhere in the world that I can't open the windows. God damn the federal <laughs> government. He went, and he went off. Okay. And he said, you should write a book about it. Yeah, this is about 2012, yeah. 2013. And I'm thinking, what the hell is I about weed? I mean, there's nothing to say here. And he mm. said, look into it, Joe, look into it. And then we had a nice lunch yeah. from there. So it turned out that in fact, it was my birthday coming up in November. And this sort of, you know, stayed on my mind. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to a cannabis cup. I've always heard of them. I'd yeah. never been to one. It sounded really exotic at the time. There was one that High Times was doing in Amsterdam. So I book a ticket and I go. And Man, was I a fish out of water. Yeah. I'm the, the only guy with no beard walking around. <laughs> it's a lot of tie-dye. Yep. a lot of people coughing. It's in a cold, damp hall. It's Hardcore. so poorly so organized. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. I am not having a good time here. And I did not have a good time, in fact. And it was raining every day. It was November in Amsterdam. Yeah. Great city. Other times to go. Anyway, yeah. I at the last day, I meet this guy. Big beard, of course. American guy. He says, how was your time here? I said, I didn't enjoy it. He said, yeah, man, the lights are really going off here, aren't they? It's like, I moved to Colorado two years ago. You should come and see me there, man. We have got it going on. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, give me your number. See what happens. I never expected him to answer my emails. You know, mm-hmm. if you're at this point in the cannabis world in 2013, people were generally more paranoid than yeah. open. They were mm-hmm. not into educating you. Anyway, his name is Adam Dunn. We start corresponding. I said, I, I want to take you up on this offer. He says, yeah, man, cool. Come on out. I said, all right, but here's the deal. I'm going to reporting. Everything's on the record. You know, if it's something you don't want, you let me know. He said, oh, man, no problem. Come on out. And in fact, there was no problem. And in fact, he turned out to be at the center of this hash oil making, really cool grower, sort of not collective. It wasn't that organized, but he was the center of the action. Okay. Yeah. He had this hemp clothing store and in the back of it. Every good grower and oil maker and everybody just starting to make edibles. This is just after California had voted by referendum to legalize. So we're in early 2014 and I lucked out. This is like reporter's dream, right? I was like, here I am. These guys are like bringing in bud every day, dabbing, 
Yeah. All this stuff that had no, I had never heard of a dab. I didn't know what a dab was. <laughs> the shatters and the crackles. Yeah. They showing all this stuff. And it was really like, whoa, I am in cannabis 101 here. And this is mm-hmm. really interesting. However, on the last day, they, they said, come on, you got to like do a dab with us. And I said, yeah, sure. Okay. Fire me up, baby. You ever seen a dab rig in, in those oh, days? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Hardcore. So there were these you know, big glass, glass things but, like. Yeah tall and they would fire up this titanium nail with a blowtorch. The whole thing was like, this is not good PR for the cannabis <laughs> business. But anyway, <laughs> they fire me up this dab and you know, normally you get like a quinoa size amount. I think mm-hmm. I got like a triple or quadruple size. It was almost oh, like the size geez. of a rice ball. I didn't clock it at the time. I inhaled it. The cloud came out. It just never stopped coming out. Anyway, mm-hmm. we went out to eat. I took him out to eat and I'm looking at the menu and I suddenly the words are dancing <laughs> off the page. <laughs> and then it gets even worse because like oh, the, no. the floor starts rocking like I'm on this uh, boat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to end well. And of course, I had to go outside and just relieve myself in <laughs> those disgusting, just, you know, it was like a half hour of puking in the snow, the Purging. filthy snow. Of, oh, it was awful. It was, yeah. it was literally, your female listeners will have to excuse me, but it was from my balls up. Okay. That's how, <laughs> that's how deep this was. And it was really unpleasant. Anyway, Adam gets me home with a few other pit stops in the gutter along the way. I managed to get to sleep and it was, you know, one of those really uncomfortable nights that yeah. you can really, if anybody who uses cannabis knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. It was deeply uncomfortable. But I woke up in the morning and I go, wait a second. This is crazy. Like cannabis for years has been known as anti-nausea, right? This yeah. is what chemo patients during the AIDS crisis took all the time to enable them to eat and to get through the medications. Yeah. How did this happen to me? And I started Googling and I could not find the answer. All I found was one paper by a guy named Raphael Mashulam about this illness called hyperemesis, and he had some theories. Now, as I go to find out, Raphael Mashulam is the OG of the cannabis research yeah. scientific community. He is the man who identified THC and CBD in 1964. So I wrote him a note, can I come talk to you? And he invited me to Hebrew University to spend time in his lab. And that was the moment I knew I wanted to write a book yeah. because I yeah. realized I knew nothing about this yeah. plant. I There's knew a nothing. story to be told there. Yeah. You know, the chemistry, didn't know how it worked in the body, didn't know, I didn't know who Raphael Meshulam was. I mean, nobody I know did, okay? Nobody at that time even knew that Israel had anything to do with cannabis. You know, they kept it very quiet, the Israelis, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to piss off the Americans. So so I got there, and it was amazing. And in fact, I, I did sort of embed myself in their lab, and I saw nursing homes uh, for people with dementia who were using cannabis to treat dementia patients to keep them calm and quiet and and happy and it was absolutely gobsmacking groundbreaking for me you know it was like it changed everything and that's when i decided i was going to write a book on it and thankfully i got harper wave publishers to publish it and send me halfway around the world to investigate all this uh, that's amazing and give me a summary of the book in terms of like what what was your intention with the book in terms of who you wanted to speak to what messages do you want to communicate just because i mean there's, there's a lot of books on cannabis out there but i think yours is actually quite unique Give the like, listeners a sense of what the focus so is. So I was the editor-in-chief of Details Magazine for yeah. many years, and we really worked on a forum called Narrative Nonfiction, which is explaining complicated or confusing things through storytelling, right? Yeah. 
personal journalism. So I, that's what I decided to do. I was going to write a book where every chapter is set in a new location uh, discussing a new theme. So one of the chapters, I intern in dispensary in Denver. Another chapter, I you know go to the nursing home in Tel Aviv. Another chapter, I look at the history by interviewing Lester Grinspoon, who wrote one of the original books on marijuana, mm. called Marijuana Reconsidered in the 1960s. So that's what I did. I wrote a book that takes you on a journey, basically, throughout this new evolving world of cannabis and it's still evolving and yeah. you know it was, it was first of all it was really fun and great to report and i met amazing people oh, i'm sure all, you know and it's so not like what you would expect like i met a grandmother in bodega bay california who was making oils for cancer patients so i spent a couple of weeks with mara gordon up there doing she's a very well-known cannabis advocate and, mm -hmm. and producer she makes aunt zelda's which is a big product in california yeah yeah and you know, this was well before any of that was happening we were in a i swear to god we were in a uh, what do you call it like a active adult lifestyle community <laughs> <laughs> that faced a golf course yeah. and she and her husband were making these ethanol extractions of cannabis and they were venting it out the chimney oh, geez. and all these alta cockers all these old people would be coming in with their visors and their you know those those oh, caps so yeah. and those big sunglasses go oh what strains do you have here mara <laughs> Smelling oh them. There they were doing it in their baking, kitchen. Baking was, cookies and extracting cannabis. It was just it was just a wonderful it was a yeah. wonderful journey and it, and I really think the book came out to be a fun read and it you know it really took me to places I didn't imagine. Yeah, I'm curious what was the biggest uh, kind of surprise for you as you as you got into this you know and, and you really started meeting people and learning more about it and, and anything that really changed the, your mind or the, the, the variety of people who use cannabis for the variety of different a million of different things it can do, right? Yeah. I mean, people using it for pain, scientists using it, and, and not being embarrassed about it also. You know, like, I was meeting incredible biologists and biochemists who just, like, come up to me and say, well, let's talk about the thing we love the most, THC. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that it is, I think this is true, people who really love cannabis have a relationship with this plant. Mm. You can laugh at me, you can say, I've been smoking yeah. too much, but it's really true. And you know that from growers, the way, I mean, I remember being in Colorado one night and this one grower, he, they, were smell, they were sending around a, a jar, a, a big bell jar of something called Tange, which smells like orange, okay? It's a wonderful smelling variety. Mm -hmm. And this guy, he put his nose in the jar and I swear to God, he looked like he fell asleep for five minutes, okay? <laughs> he was having some <laughs> sort of orgasmic experience. Uh, exactly. Just by so when I saw the level and the variety of people who love this plant, you, you do realize that it is a plant Unlike most, yeah. it has a particular affinity with a lot of people and that cannot be ignored. And I think that explains why people have just stuck with it and, you know, endured prohibition and arrest and all sorts of humiliation to keep this damn plant going. Yeah. Think about that. Think about what they endured for 40, 50 years of prohibition in the United States, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, it's interesting. And do you think, I mean, I'm curious how much you kind of see this kind of hardcore or the cannabis culture, the pot culture that's been around for quite some time versus the kind of new or the emerging pot culture or the, the cannabis users who are, were not necessarily part of, you know, that long legacy, but over the last, you know, four, five, six years have, have kind of built a relationship with the plant in some way, you know, maybe, maybe not as uh, passionate, <laughs> but, you know, have, yeah, have a connection yeah. to the 
Blatt, do you see this as a continuum? Do you see this as big breaks? Are there big pockets here? As you've kind of talked with people in the industry, how do you kind of segment it out? Good question. I don't segment it, but I do see it more as a continuum. I think there's always going to be 15 to 20% of people who just love and rely on this plant. And we all have friends who have been smoking for 30, 40 years, doing their jobs, doing their lives, you know, completely, but using it. And I think they, you know, I know when I was younger, I didn't know it at the time. I know now I used it for anxiety. Yeah. You know, I was a young, awkward, gay kid who had nowhere to express that, right? So I know that when I was first started using it, it was keeping that anxiety down. I know a lot of people who are anxious people and who use it, maybe not even saying it to themselves, but are just smoking all day long and it worked. So I think that's, you know, you can use it medically or just, you know, love it. And those are people who are using a lot. And then there are these, are people who are now using it for specific things, right? Now that we have a vocabulary around this, like, oh, I'm using pot for sleep or I'm using it for anxiety or I'm using it to do this. I'm using it to, you know, all the things we've always known that it can stimulate your mind and expand your lateral thinking and and help you abstract things in a way that you just normally don't, right? Yeah. But that was very interesting to write about it, how it might be working, actually. What are those weird neural connections that might be happening? Then I think there are people who are obviously just in it for the money, and that's the new capitalism that we're seeing coming around it. Sure. But, but beyond that, I just did a podcast myself, episode 73 of the Brave New Weed podcast, shameless self-promotion. No, no, go ahead, podcast. plug away. <laughs> On people who are working on biosynthesizing or at least molecularly, uh, they're getting in there and they're creating cannabinoids from things like yeast and E. coli and algae. And what they're doing is they're fiddling with the genetic structures of those little guys and they're getting them to off-gas these specific cannabinoids. Okay, Now, this is about five years away, but what it's going to do is be able to mass-produce cannabinoid medicines theoretically in a very targeted and much more concentrated way, okay? So that we're going to be seeing, I think in five years, you'll be seeing maybe seven years, cannabinoids sold the way vitamins are sold, right? Inexpensively, super dosed, and very specific for specific actions. Now, that is a level of science that is is very modern and, and questionable, I have yeah, to say. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people are very dubious about it, and I want to keep exploring it more because I think it's really fascinating. And I also don't like paying $60 for a bottle of CBD, frankly. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's not sustainable in that way. And I do believe in the power of cannabinoid medicines as an alternative to certain other other products on, on the market currently. And, you know, you got to remember, this is something with a safety profile unlike anything else. Nobody's ever died from an overdose of any cannabinoid or any cannabis product, right? Yeah, yeah. There na- ain't much out there like that, not even water, right? <laughs> or or yeah. aspirin, you know, more people die of aspirin than cannabis every year. So so there's a really great, interesting continuum, I think. Uh, and, and the reason I'm telling you that is because the guy we interviewed his name is Ben Chiarelli, uh, and he runs a company called Celebre. His hope is to basically eliminate cannabis, you know, the cannabis, co- not to eliminate it, but to sideline it completely. Yeah. He doesn't think it's going to be relevant in X number of years. I deeply disagree with him. I think people will always grow cannabis and love it and like to inhale it. I don't, I don't think he's going to supplant it. But, but he doesn't think that culture is going to be relevant in the large scheme of things. Time will tell. Yeah, I get. I mean, I, I I get the idea. I mean, I you know certainly as as 
cannabis has, as the market's grown, as the industry grown, and as the customer or consumer segment has uh, expanded, I think there's definitely further kind of segmentation or, you know, different pockets, different populations within, you know, that are cannabis users that are going to be quite different. I mean, the, the soccer mom is very different than the athlete. It's very different than the elder care person who is looking at cannabis in, in very different ways. And, and culturally, it's going to be different. I mean, I, I do think that the cannabis culture, that the traditional cannabis culture is going to continue to grow. And I think that as people develop that relationship with the plant, there will be a group that does like the kind of artisan, grow it, dry it, smoke it kind of process. But I'm fascinated by the idea of actually producing cannabis products without the plant through algae and these other methods. That certainly will put a lot of change or or I think it's going to create a lot of pressure in the community to make some decisions about what is it going to be? How are we going to regulate it? How are we going to process it? How are we going to sell it? How do we, where do we sell it? Are we going to have a big sort of diversification of the retail experience? I mean, all those things are going to be fascinating to see how they play out. I think so. I think it's. I, I think there is going to be a field of medicine or nutraceutical, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I call it medicine. That is cannabinoid-based medicines, mm-hmm. and and I think it's going to come of age. Now, will doctors? Uh, you know, embrace this. I, I well, I just wrote a piece. Yeah, about so why let's, let's talk about the well, doctors. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote a piece. It came out in Leafly. I was interviewed in, at length uh-huh. in this piece about why doctors will doctors ever embrace cannabis? You know, and I think the data is something like seventy percent of doctors are resistant. Yeah, even more know nothing about it. Right. Yeah. So there's obvious obstacles. They're not taught it in medical school. It isn't covered by most insurance policies. It is botanical, which is it is not allopathic. It is not single molecule focused action. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not as powerful as these things, but also the side effects are much more minimal. And by the way, your patients can figure out pretty much how to dose it themselves. And a lot of doctors go, oh, my God, no, no, no. And then I say, doctors, you have patients who are diabetic. They're checking their insulin every meal and adjusting their dose. They can figure that out. People who take gabapentin for pain, they can adjust that dose all the time depending on their pain, right? People who take SSRIs for depression, they have to figure out their dose and it takes weeks. This is not unheard of. (laughs) <laughs> so why? I mean, do you think? I mean, is this really kind of going back to the the stigma and yeah. uh, the, of the of of cannabis and marijuana traditionally? Certainly, the prohibition uh, prohibition myths are very strong, but really, it does not fall in this single allopathic model yeah. of contemporary medicine, right? It yeah. doesn't, and it it takes time to explain to patients how to use the different formats. The inhalation happens quickly, but doesn't last as long as ingestion, which takes longer, but lasts longer, and you can mix things up, and it does require more patient hand-holding. So I am not in any way at war with the medical profession, and I totally understand its its resistance. However, I do think they have a certain, there's a certain gap of of knowledge here. And I like to talk about this guy named Ignaz Semmelweis. Have you ever heard of him? No, tell me. He's a guy in, I think he was a doctor in 1848. He produced some data showing that you, if you wash your hands in a disinfecting solution, oh, yes, yes, between yeah. examining your patients, you can reduce the rate of infection and fever by 90%. Now, what do you think doctors said? They said said that hand washing was a ritual of purification (laughs) practiced by midwives. 
and they were women oh and they weren't gosh. university trained and they weren't doctors. OK, so they ignored him as ritualistic woo woo. OK, which is I think, OK, I think a lot of doctors would look at using cannabinoids or cannabis as it is now as a little bit of woo woo. OK, so the doctors for 16, I think 16 years ignored this stuff. So think of how many people died until Mr. Lister came around mm-hmm. X number of years later and got them to, you know, frankly, clean up their act by yeah. washing their hands in between examinations. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable analogy. I mean, doctors, bless them, they go through hellish educations, they go into great debt, they work hideous hours. Mm-hmm. I love my doctors. They they have saved me from many, many things. Same with pharmaceuticals. I am not opposed in any way to pharmaceuticals, okay? They have helped me many, many times in life. But this idea of not knowing why something works and confusing it with it doesn't work I object to. Yeah. I'm curious. So 16 years is a long time. I'm saying 16 years. Don't quote me. It could have well, been Well, so say more than, more than 10, you know, probably. I guess how much do you feel like this is doctors taking the time to do the research, changing their minds, develop new habits, and how much of this is just generational change? Like we're just going to okay. have new waves of doctors come in and the older doctors are going to phase out and that's how we're going to change the industry. Well, it's a great question. Uh, there's, there is the generational thing, but there's also the this other thing of this gold standard of clinical trials. Now, it's going to take a whole lot of time to do clinical trials. Yeah. Like the, whole, the whole idea of, but the whole idea of even doing, I've had many discussions with doctors about this. The idea that you would need to do safety trials on cannabis is absolutely intellectual hogwash. Okay. This has been used for thousands, five thousands of years, at least across cultures by everybody. There has never, ever, ever been a recorded death from cannabis, okay? Ever. Yeah. So why are we having to go through the shenanigans of safety trials? We know that it's not going to kill you. We yeah, know for that. safety trials. Okay, yeah. So, so, okay, so that's, that's, we don't need safety take, trials. Let's just take that out of the room. Yeah. There, there is a trial process for botanical medicines. Yeah. Now, do doctors recognize it? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Would, would yeah. research scientists recognize it? I don't know. But this is a clearly a very different substance. Okay. Well, it's, the it, endocannabinoid system is not understood yeah. very much. And doctors, most doctors don't know about it. Again, they're not taught it. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Okay. And it isn't much understood. So the, the information is, is scant at yeah. this point. I mean, it sounds like that what you're kind of saying is that the trial process, the safety trial process has been designed to deal with these single molecule drugs that have, have a non-trivial chance of being actually posing a health risk just as much as they have some benefit. So we've got to go through these trials to really kind of verify this and and mm-hmm. quantify it and figure out the dosing because if we don't get this right, we can cause more harm than we can do good. But in this case, we're dealing with a biological that does not have that same kind of risk that a the single molecule drug has, has natural the body has natural kind of regulatory response around so that you don't have these harsh side effects. And so therefore we should be able to use a different process, but the industry just doesn't have one, right? The industry does not We're not, not there yet. Yeah. And don't forget, okay. it's still a schedule one substance. Well, yes. So that makes most of the research very difficult yeah. to go, you know, to undertake. Yeah. So again, I don't blame anybody um, except the federal government really for not getting this thing out of schedule one because what is the point? Yeah. Uh, really, what is the point? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's completely crazy. But I do think if we can help 
medical professionals on all levels, and I think nurse practitioners and health coaches and chiropractors and all these things that are considered alternative forms of healing can be you know, educated and brought on board, then then we serve a, stand a better chance. That's why, you know, I, I hooked up with a doctor in New York called June Chin, Dr. Janella Chin. She's been using cannabinoid therapies since the beginning of the century, 2000, actually. Yeah. She herself was a patient. And she's collected all this data. We started this thing called medicalcannabismentor.com to educate a dispensary people oh, because well nobody in a dispensary yep. knows what's going on oh, well, and, and that's that the is irony really of this whole a thing. hilarious yeah. thing not i shouldn't say hilarious it's it could be much better is what yeah. i think with yeah. a little bit of education and to help educate healthcare professionals and now i'm working on a on an app and a protocol to help educate patients that i'm hoping cannabis companies will take on and sort of supply for free to patients so they can it, it'll just guide them through the process of knowing essential ways of using these medicines to their benefit and sort of eliminate a whole level of trial and error yeah so that's that's sort of what i've been working on now and that's why i'm so interested in medical because i think even though it's still early and there's a lot of fuzziness around it there are still best practices that we can put into place and, and as things do develop, people will be able to use these things more targetedly. And uh, is that a word? Targetedly? They'll be able <laughs> In a more targeted manner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Bruce. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the writer here, right? Um, yeah. In a more targetedly manner <laughs> to their benefit. Yeah. Tell me what your take is on the adult use side of things then, because I think that, I mean, some of the stuff we've been talking about is not, you know, only limited to medical patients, medical users. I mean, an adult use user is going to have the same kind of challenges, obviously the, the outcomes that they're looking for, and maybe the importance of the outcomes are a little bit different, but how do you see the adult use market and the medical market kind of playing out? Are they helping each other, hurting each other? What's your kind of take on that? I don't know if they're helping or hurting each. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like the minute adult use comes online, the medical thing seems to go away, which mm. to me seems like a huge loss for people yeah. of my age and above. And not only my age. I mean, people in their 40s are athletes or, you know, yeah. people who have pains, people who don't sleep, people who are stressed out. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> so you could use cannabis in very mindful ways. You yeah. know, you can take a five milligram edible and really level, level out your stress. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to make it impossible for you to go about and do your daily activity. I mean, a lot of parents I know are, are using low dose edibles just to sort of bridge between the stress of the day and being home and being able to be with their young kids yeah. and not be all stressed out and tense and like, don't talk to me about that now, darling. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to be able to sort of be a part of their kid's life. And I do think one of the things that is great about cannabis is that it does increase your sense of wonder yeah. of just at obvious things yeah. in the world, right? So how do you deal with your kid? Well, get on the same level of wonder as that kid. You know <laughs> no, what I, I agree. mean? Get off your screen and get into uh -huh. wonder. Yeah. And and go, you in know, go moment. out and take a walk in nature with your kid. And the, you're fine. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're going to be a bad parent. It's it's a good thing. And, you know, it's like a lot of people use wine or, or a scotch in the same way. Yeah, they do. Well, exactly. I mean, I think if you look at the use of alcohol as hitting a lot of these things, and uh, I know personally a lot of people that have transitioned to use of yeah, microdosing cannabis 
this to achieve yeah. a lot of the same effects without a lot of the side effects and, and downsides of that alcohol proposes poses. Yeah. So I think I think what was the question? <laughs> well, <laughs> just kind of the, this. I, I'm curious about the markets, like as we kind of play out this this adult use market and the the medical market, and just how you know how they're going to interact. And I think you know your point is that that or you made a comment that when the adult use market sort of kicks in in a state that it really ends up kind of wiping out the medical market or at least you know over overshadowing it quite a bit and i think that's a problem at some level and i'm kind of curious as the states i I, I think it's a huge shame because it also i mean most people okay so i live in new york Mm -hmm. and we're not legal and most people my age who i know don't know how to use this stuff mindfully you get to california and it is different people absolutely do know how to use it mindfully um but i do think this idea of knowing how to use it strategically for certain you could call them conditions however you want to talk about like stress Mm -hmm. or pain or anxiety or insomnia you can whatever label you want to put on that okay just call it like the after effects of everyday life in the (laughs) first century how about life itself right i do think cannabis can provide relief from life itself in nice and gentle and easygoing ways and we now have all these really cool formats you know different edibles and different ways of inhaling it and yeah. bath bombs and CBD infused beers. You ever mm-hmm. have a, did you have ever tried the high hops? THC? I have not. I've tried the sparkling waters, uh, CBD infused sparkling waters, which are pretty, pretty interesting. I never but, had uh, any effect from the CBD, but I had had these high hops. They're out of, they're from Canacraft in California. Yeah. It's a, a THC and CBD infused hops beverage. So it yeah. tastes like fresca without the weird metallic aftertaste mm-hmm. and without yeah. the sugar. It tastes pretty good actually. Yeah. And gives you this great lift in like 15 minutes and after about an hour and a half it's gone yeah you can just drive home yeah (laughs) it was really good i really liked it so i think there's a lot of interesting innovation that's going to come our way and whether you want to use that just to to get off or get high is one thing but other of us we want to use it i want to know what effect i want to be able to drive my effect don't you yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Design oh, design yeah. my experience. I mean, and, and, and deal with the things that I'm dealing with. Yeah. Elevate life. I like it. Elevate life. Keep your head high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joe, this has been a pleasure. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, about the book, about the podcast, what's the best way to get that information? So about the book and the podcast, you can just type in www.bravenewweed.com and it'll take you to both vectors. And if you want to know about Medical Cannabis Mentor, type that long name in and put <laughs> .com after it, Medical Cannabis Mentor, and you can see our education platforms and you can contact me through any of those methods. Great. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through and get that. Joe, this has been great. I appreciate the time. Great conversation. Looking forward to seeing how this industry kind of plays out and, and how you cover it and uh, what, the, what the stories you find and, and how you tell them. So I appreciate it. I'll take any leads you get. And I thank you for your time as well, Bruce. It has been a pleasure. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.